Amen. Well, you can be seated. I want to welcome everyone with us this morning. Glad that you're here. Felt more like an 11 o'clock service this morning. Y'all brought the energy with you. I love it. But this is truly a place where we fight our battles, and there's no better place than being in the presence of God, than being in the house of God to fight the battles that want to keep us bound, keep us down, and that are heavy in our lives. While we are still in our series on unleashing the gospel, we are on week six, and I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to encourage us this morning to look at evangelism, to look at how to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, to, to use us. Anybody show of hands want to be used by the Holy Spirit? If you ever have, which I know we have, it is the most fulfilling thing to find yourself being used by God. Can we say amen to that? That that is what drives us. That is what fuels us when we're in the presence of God like we are this morning. We're being equipped. And then the mission begins as we're sent out and the Holy Spirit uses your hands. He uses your mouth. He uses your path, your journey to bring and unleash the gospel into the world. Well, this morning as we're moving on in our series, I want to talk on the idea of how to be a contagious Christian. That when people get around you, when they get close to you, when they're in close proximity, is what you have contagious. You've heard it said before that image matters. Well, as a believer and as a follower of Jesus, uh, I'd like to say this, that substance is more important than image. That it's what's in us, it's the substance of who we are that really matters. I think our culture puts pressure and puts focus and tries to, to, to sell us on a lie that it's all about your image. It's all about what you can portray. It's about what you look like. But the word of God goes much deeper and goes beyond the image and says, I care about the substance. I care about your heart. I care about the content. I care about what's in you and what's fueling you and what's driving you. Because image will only fool people for so long, but when they get close to you, they see the substance that's in your life. And as we go deep in the series on unleashing the gospel this morning, we have to make sure that we have the substance, that we know the word of God, that we can clearly communicate what the gospel is so that it can be unleashed into the world. But here's the amazing part at the same time, is something that many of us can be fearful of to really take a risk and step out and share our faith is that you're not alone when you take the step out. The Holy Spirit is with you. And it truly is a simple gospel that we don't want to overcomplicate what the gospel is, but it is a simple, powerful message that we carry. It is the way, it is the truth, and the life for the world. And you have it. And the Holy Spirit says, open your mouth and share it. And so I pray throughout this series that you're being encouraged. You're seeing different perspectives. You're seeing it's not so complicated. See, because evangelism, I think we get the misperception is that an evangelist stands in a pulpit, doesn't know you from Adam, preaches the word of God, and then leaves. But when I think of evangelism in my head, I see it as personal. When you read the word of God, you see so many different uh, types of evangelism. You see intellectual evangelism. You see personal evangelism. You see uh, all these different ones from different people God used to evangelize, to share the gospel. But see, the thing is, there's different uh, ways that we share it, but what has to be the common denominator is that it has to be personal. 
It has to be personal because people respond to authenticity. People respond to something that's personal. I think about conversations I've had in my life. Think about conversations you've had on the word of God. Think about conversations where someone invested into you as a teenager or, or as a young adult or in a season of crisis where that you felt they loved you and were sharing truth and grace with you and counsel with you. There's something powerful that in those moments that almost shape us more than being in a church service, right? Because we're vulnerable and we're open. And when someone can bring truth into a situation or bring love or care into a situation, we really receive it and it marks us and it shapes us. I think about my time as a teenager and, and the struggles that, that would come up in my life and how God would bring our, our youth pastors here, Gary and Jenny, to speak life into our situation at, at youth group or being a young adult on mission trips and at youth events that moments where I maybe was questioning my faith or doubting things that God was always so good arranging things behind the scenes to bring truth and to bring encouragement into my life. Anybody ever experienced that before where God used somebody to speak life and speak truth into you? They were unleashing the gospel. That's what they were doing. Well, I, have, I came across this formula and I thought it was good and I kind of put my own spin on it and, and really with what I believe God wants to share with us today. But Kenny, I want you to put this up and then I want to really just kind of walk us through it of really this formula to unleash the gospel into our lives. Now, as I say often uh, when it comes to math and the word of God, if I had this kind of math in high school, I would have been straight A's, okay? But I didn't, but hey, we're using some sort of math now, so it worked out somehow. But this is HP plus CP plus CC equals MI. Now, I wanna start with defining what our goal is to unleash the gospel, to be evangelists. Is MI is maximum impact that we wanna have maximum impact on those around us. We wanna have maximum impact on raising our children, on loving our spouses, on our families, on our coworkers, and our schools and our communities, that we wanna be all who God has created us and called us to be. And we wanna have maximum impact. I love how this is defined here. Maximum impact is to have the greatest spiritual influence possible on those around us. Really, we're, I want to just walk through quickly, and then I want to get to a pretty cool gospel story that, uh, in the book of Acts that I've never really seen in the light, but I want to bring it out and believing it will encourage you. But I want to look at Matthew 5, 4, 13. It says this. It says, you are the salt of the earth. And it goes on to say, if you know the passage of Scripture here, it says, you are the light of the world. Don't put a, a, a container over the light where it's hidden, but let your light so shine before men so that people would glorify our heavenly father. We know the scripture, but there's something about salt. Salt does three things I want you to see quickly this morning. Is number one, salt makes us thirsty. Salt adds flavor and salt preserves. And so as I was just thinking on the scripture and meditating is when you see that Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, that of being a contagious Christian, of unleashing the gospel, is that if our lives are to be salty, it should be making those when they see us, when they see the substance of who we are, when they see how we respond in situations and trials. It doesn't mean we do everything right. We are human. But it should begin to cause a thirst in the world around us when they see you, when they see your life, that there should be a thirst. And that brings us really to what HP is defined as is there has to be a high potency. 
that if our lives are to be salty, it has to be potent. And when you think about how are our lives to be potent, they're supposed to be different, that when you sign up to follow Jesus, you say, I'm no longer following the crowd. I'm going to choose to step over here and be a part of the minority. And see, there's something about when you're a part of the minority, you get noticed, you're seen. See, the, the crowd, and I love it because in the, in the uh, story of Noah and the ark, right, what, what was Noah's story about him saying that a flood was coming and he was labeled as crazy, as a lunatic for him and his family building this ark? Well, you fast forward, Noah was right and the entire crowd was wrong. See, when it comes to following Jesus, there's always a remnant. There's always a small group that you see God do amazing things through. That usually when you are looking at the crowd, you need to reevaluate because you see so many times in the gospel, God really doesn't move through the crowd. He moves through the apostles, these broken, these, uh, uh, these men who didn't have the word of God. All they had was the Holy Spirit after Jesus had left and God used them to turn the world upside down. Or rather, the world was already turned upside down, so they turned it right side up, back to the original order. And so to be salt, we have, our lives should be making those around us thirsty. They should be asking us questions. They should see our lives as different than the world. And that should create a high potency. I love Paul's heart of how he encourages us in 2 Corinthians 1.12. Look what it says. And this is really going to lead us into our story in the book of Acts. But it says, for our boasting is this. So Paul's saying, this is what I boast in. He's saying the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world. Hear this right here. In simplicity and in godly sincerity. So when our lives are high potent, when our lives are salty, there is a simplicity about our lives. It's not complicated. It's not messy all the time. There should be just a simplicity of our lives. And then there's sincerity that you care, that your life uh, really reflects the heart of God and how we handle our affairs. And it says, this happens not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. So it's saying that there is this grace of simplicity and sincerity that is to be deposited into our lives. And that's my heart for you this morning, is that as you're unleashing the gospel, that you would take a step back and you would see it's not all that complicated. That God wants to use, he wants to fill you, and then all you simply have to do, what we're gonna see, is simply open your mouth and share the good news of Jesus. Because God is arranging situations and arranging people. He has divine appointments set up that you don't even know about. You just have to follow the Spirit's promptings, and he will put you in a person's lives. He will put you in a situation whether you see it or not. But when you're aware of his presence, you're considering his preferences, you're going to sense it and know it, and you're going to see, okay, this is, God has placed me here for such a time as this. And so Paul is saying, it's simple. Be sincere. This is how you're to have a, a salty life, how your life is going to begin to make others thirsty, how to have a high potency. I love this. In order for us to have impact on the world around us, we need to have a strong enough concentration of Christ's influence in our lives that his power and presence will be undeniable to others. You ever had dark black coffee without any cream? There's a strong concentration of that bean there that just, woo, wakes you up. Or maybe you're like Christian holding a bang energy drink in his hand 
and whatever he's drinking over there has a strong concentration that just hits you when it touches your taste buds. Yeah, take a sip of that. So there, again, we are attracted to high potency because, you know, caffeine, like I'm saying, it, it, it gets you charged, it gets you alert, it gets you focused. That's what potency should be coming off of our lives. It should be making people thirsty because you're so potent around them. Secondly, in our equation, so we have HP plus CP. CP is close proximity. That we, as believers, should be in close proximity. The scripture goes on to say in Matthew 5, 13, it's not up there, but it says, but if the salt loses its, yeah. its flavor, that we don't want our lives to lose its flavor. So it's saying that there is, there is this potential that if you're not having that concentration of Christ, that you're not feeding on the Spirit, that you're not allowing yourself to be filled by the Spirit and by Christ, then you can begin to lose your potency, that there's, you can begin to lose your saltiness, that you're not causing others to be thirsty around you anymore. And so we have to have a close proximity to Christ, but not only that, we have to have a close proximity with others, that this is where the image and the substance comes into play, that many times we don't want other people to maybe see our brokenness or we don't want people, you, you, we've all done it before when you invite or someone says, hey, can I stop over to your place? You go into a complete frenzy because the entire house is a mess. The, the dishes are in the sink. The towels are not in the closet. So you turn into a tornado and you clean everything to say, my life looks like this. It's something that's just innate within all of us. Sometimes Bray and I now with kids, we... Uh, with Daniel and another one on the way, we're just upfront apologize before someone comes into our house because we don't have the time to throw everything in closets. It was clean yesterday and today it exploded. But we can't be afraid to have close proximity with others. Practically speaking, when's the last time you've invited someone over for dinner? When's the last time you've said, hey, I want to invest into this person's life because they don't know Jesus, and maybe my potency, maybe the presence of my saltiness will begin to bring Christ into their world. See, it's so easy just to get in the routine of going to church, of staying in our Christian circles and our Christian bubbles. I'm not against any of that. We need to be strengthened and equipped, but there has to be a part of our lives because the gospel at its core is missional. The gospel at its, at its core is to evangelize, yes. that we have to be looking beyond our four and no more, and that we're not just this huddle house of our families and things, and then we begin to step out and say, who can I begin to bring the gospel to? And I'm telling you, when you begin to have eyes like that, you'll begin to see that the pressure begins to be lifted off you and God will begin to bring people across your path that you can bring the gospel into their lives. Anybody ever seen that happen before? When you just begin to pray and say, God, who can I be a blessing to today? He will put someone in your life that you can be a blessing to. So we have to have close proximity. You know, Bree and I, we were presented with an opportunity. Bree does photography. And in our community, there's this magazine that goes out to over 1,500 homes, and it has on the front a, a family that's in the community, and they share a little bit of their story, where they came from, where they work, those kind of things. And uh, the Brie had got a random email saying, hey, would you want our photographer left to do the pictures of these families? Would you be interested in uh, doing the, the cover photo shoot every month for families 
to, to showcase them where they can share their story. And so Bree and I talked about it, and uh, we had just had Daniel, so we're trying to figure out our schedule, and there's commitments and things involved to that. It's, it's just a, a, a donating her time to it. And so we said, you know what? This could be an opportunity to really go into other people's homes, to, to meet their families, to connect with them, and have them share their story. Well, we ended up finding out after she had said, yes, I want to do that, that she was actually going to help pick out the families that were going to be on the cover. So we're like, okay, this could be a really awesome opportunity. Well, we have families here at ZCA and families in our church that live in this community. So we're like, hey, what if we found some of these families that are in our school, in our community, and they could share their story, talk about the school, talk about the church. And so we begin targeting those that were in our own community. Say, hey, share your story. Throw the church and the school in there if you want. I'm not pushing that on you, but that would be awesome. And so several families begin to do that. And then fast forwarding the, the ripple effect of that into a phone call coming into the school saying, hey, we saw that such and such family that sent their, sent their kids to ZCA, mentioned it in, in the article about their family, and we want to have more information. We want to know more about it. So through that opportunity, we saw it as a God opportunity to have close proximity, to get to know families, to step into their worlds, to hear their stories, and then showcase their story. And in a way, God worked and moved where now they're looking into the school and, and praying that they would, that, that uh, would continue on. So for us, that was just an opportunity to have close proximity with other people, with unbelievers, and really be a, a, a presence in their lives. So we have high potency, close proximity. This is in our equation to get to maximum impact. And thirdly, CC is clear communication. And we have to have clear communication. I think in our world that's so saturated with content, that's so saturated with stories on Instagram, that's so saturated with posts on Facebook, it can be so easy to just scroll past and not really clearly communicate what the gospel is. There's so many different, uh, uh, there's so many different uh, interpretations of things that as believers, we have to know the word of God and be able not to just know it, but to clearly communicate it and let it be applied in our lives. 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5 says this, as Paul is saying and impressing upon believers to clearly communicate. He says this, he says, I can't impress this on you too strongly. Like, lean in and listen. God is looking over your shoulder. It says, Christ himself is the judge with the final say on everyone, living and dead. He is about to break into the open with his rule. So it says, hear this, proclaim the message with intensity, with passion, and yeah. say, keep on your watch. It says, challenge, warn those around you, urge your people, don't ever quit. I love it right here. Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. It says, you're going to find out that there will be times when people will have no stomach for solid teaching. We're in that time today. It says, but we'll fill up on spiritual junk food, catchy opinions that tickle their fancy. They'll turn their backs on truth and chase mirages. Isn't that the truth? But you, you and I, keep your eyes on what you're doing. Accept the hard times I think we need to hear that. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. 
So as we're believing God for maximum impact, influence in our lives, as we're having high potency, close proximity, clear communication, that it, it really encompasses that we're thoroughly communicating the gospel. And more than that, you've heard it said that uh, preach the gospel, use words if necessary. I love that and I agree with that. But there's times where we have to open our mouth. We have to share truth because it's easier just to be quiet in a situation when someone disagrees with the gospel and we don't want to offend or we don't want to step on toes. But there is a grace that is available to us to speak truth in love and to speak truth with grace, that our speech would be seasoned with salt and that it would create a thirst when they would hear the words of the gospel. So I want you to see this story in the book of Acts. And if you turn to Acts 29, you'll see that uh, this story is expounded upon because it's so much bigger and it's so much deeper. Now, we'll see how scholarly you were. There's only 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Well, you, what's neat is there's this phrase called being an Acts 29 church where we continue the work of the Holy Spirit, that the book of Acts doesn't end with an amen. It ends open because you and I are an Acts 29 church. We're continuing the work of the Holy Spirit. Well, what I want you to see, that's pastor humor. It doesn't get a lot of laughs, but I was laughing on the inside when I thought of that. But what I want you to see this morning is when Philip who was a deacon in the early church, was called and appointed. Now, you'll see if you go and you read, and just to give you some context, in Acts chapter 6, that the apostles, uh, the, the Spirit of God was breaking into all of these cities. Healings, miracles, supernatural works of the Holy Spirit were taking place. Crowds were gathering, and the 12 apostles, there was too much that, okay, we have to begin to appoint deacons, and we have to begin to appoint elders in the church. And so we see that this is a conversation that the apostles are having saying, we need men, it says in Acts chapter six, full of the spirit and full of wisdom. And it goes on to list several men that were appointed as deacons to help in the work of the ministry. And we see one man by the name of Philip mentioned here where he's brought forth as a deacon. I forgot to put it in the back, but I want you to see just to give you context of what was happening in Philip's life as the church was growing, as the church was exploding. This comes from Acts chapter 8, verse 4, and this talks of Philip and, and what he was a part of. It says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Verse 5 says, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. It says, the multitude, so we see crowds, with, were in one accord. They heeded the things spoken by Philip hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. It says, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And it says, There was great joy in the city. So if you read that, you would say, Man, Philip is on top of the world. There is great joy in an entire city because Philip is proclaiming the gospel. The church is exploding. Miracles are taking place. Well, prior to Philip being here at the situation, it says when Philip was being called as a, as a deacon, the role was to wash tables and to take care of widows. So Philip, when he was signed up as a deacon, what you just read there, I can tell you, he never thought would take place in his life, let alone ever felt qualified. What he was signing up for was to help take care of widows and to wash tables, to serve. Well, here's what I want you to see now. 
That's a little context of who Philip was. Philip, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4, is experiencing the power of God, is experiencing God use him to do miracles. But look kind of how the story takes a, a twist in Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, as this ministry is taking place, an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go toward the south along the road which goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And I love this. This is just a funny sentence. It says, this is desert. So it's saying, you're experiencing these miracles. You're in a big city. This whole city is full of joy. Well, guess what? The angel of the Lord just spoke to you. Go to the desert. How would you feel about that? Like, I think what naturally comes to our mind if, okay, God is using me, he's giving me a platform, he would never send me to the desert. I'm thinking more like New York City, I'm thinking Los Angeles, I'm thinking big crowds. But look what the angel of the Lord said. He said, you're to go south, and where you're to go is a desert. And this is what I love in his response in verse 27. It's not back there either. I was putting all this together, but look what it says. It says, so he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charged all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. So as, hear this right here, as Philip is in the desert, he is then walking down this uh, uh, desert-stricken road, no one in sight until he sees one of uh, the queen's servants who's a treasurer for her. And it says he's sitting in this chariot in verse 28 and he was reading Isaiah the prophet. So he's reading aloud Isaiah the prophet. And as Philip is seeing this man in a chariot reading Isaiah the prophet, it says the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. I go in and stop the chariot. I want you to talk to him. And so as this is taking place, the scripture records what was being spoken of. And you can't say this is coincidence. How awesome is this? It says, uh, how, and, and this is what Philip was reading out loud, who is an unbeliever. It says, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? In verse 31. And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. And he began to read the scripture in verse 32. The place in the scripture which he read was this. And he was led as a sheep to the slaughter. This is a prophecy about Jesus. And a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. In verse 34, it says, So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? Of himself or some other man? Okay, so you really, we need to see what's taking place here. Is God literally arranged this conversation? Philip was just trusting the Holy Spirit, walking down this desert path. Finds the, the queen's man. He's reading out loud a prophecy about Jesus. And so Philip listens and runs over, stops the van and says, Hey, I heard you were reading this prophecy do you understand what's taking place? And so the man then asked Philip, what does this mean? And here's where you need to see, because this is the key right here in verse 35 of how we unleash the gospel, because the Holy Spirit sets the stage. We just have to open our mouth. Look what it says. Then Philip opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. And he began at this scripture, and he preached Jesus to him. Verse 36, now as they went down the road, 
they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water which hinders me from being baptized. So he's saying, you know, I'm beginning to understand. I'm beginning to believe. Verse 37 says, Philip said to him, if you believe with your heart, you may. And so the man answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And right there, he commanded the chariot to stand still. I believe it was a powerful moment that was taking place in that chariot because Philip opened his mouth, trusted the Holy Spirit, and salvation came to this man's home, came to his heart. It says, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now when they came up out of the water, the spear of the Lord caught Philip away. Like, I'm just reading that right now, but look at what just took place. A miracle just happened. A simple, humble man who was called to wash tables, who was called to be a servant, to take care of widows, went into and caused great joy in a city, was a vessel. What did we talk about several weeks ago? God isn't looking for golden vessels. He's not looking for silver vessels. He is looking for yielded vessels. Philip was a yielded vessel. You and I are called to be yielded, vessel, yielded vessels, simple and with sincerity as Paul boasted in. Philip is an icon, is an example of how we're to unleash the gospel. It is not complicated. We have to just follow the Spirit's promptings. When we do, God sets the stage. And all you have to do is do what Philip did. When the stage is set by the Holy Spirit, you're following his prompt, promptings. You're allowing yourself, as Philip did, because here's another point. You have to allow yourself to step into the fear of the unknown or the zone of the unknown. When you unleash the gospel, you will be in the zone of the unknown, just as Philip was. But as he did, as he opened his mouth, salvation came. He was baptized. And then it says this miracle happened. Imagine if you're the eunuch sitting there watching this. It says the spirit of the Lord took Philip away. And it says that he sent him into a whole other city. So it's like he vanished in the middle of the chariot. That's what that's saying. And was sent into another, into another city supernaturally. Think if you're the eunuch just driving down the trail, the treasurer of the queen, and all of this just takes place. You're never going to forget and you're always going to believe. Well, church history will tell us that he would be one of the first um, uh, fathers of the faith to bring the gospel to North Africa and preach the gospel in power to North Africa about the man who was the eunuch here. I can tell you that Philip never thought when he simply signed up to wash tables and to help widows that that would ever take place in his life. This is what you need to know and what I need to know this morning is don't ever underestimate when you step out in simple faith, when you step out in simple obedience because those are the ingredients that God moves and that God works in powerful ways. Don't ever underestimate simplicity and sincerity because those are the things that Paul boasted in to unleash the gospel. And when we have high potency, we have close proximity with those around us and with Christ, and we have clear communication, you will have maximum impact in your life. I want to close with this this morning. Y'all getting blessed this morning? I pray you are. I want you to see this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4 through 5. This is really the prayer of an evangelist. This is, should be our prayer it says this, it says, continue earnestly in prayer. This is the church praying for Paul as he's preaching the gospel. He's encouraging them, continue to be vigilant 
in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak. That, um, that the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I might make it manifest as I ought to speak. What Paul is saying here is, and what he's praying for is an open door to speak the mystery, but only as God would want him to speak. You're gonna see as you study the book of Acts that there's times the Holy Spirit says go, but there's times the Holy Spirit says not to go. I'm telling you, if you want to live in the space of being led by the Spirit, you have to follow his promptings to go and not to go, to stay and wait or to step forward. You know, I think one of the most powerful things as we're looking at our lives and we're looking for vision in our lives is one of the most powerful places to be is right where you're at and to stay planted. Because many times our flesh says, and what it's talking about in 2 Timothy 4, what we read, don't be attracted to the mirage. Don't allow the ear tickling to take place in your life. Have a, don't let yourself not have a stomach for solid truth. Because when you don't, you can be taken away by every wind of doctrine. You can be taken away by offense, by bitterness. But when you allow yourself to be strengthened and to have a stomach for truth, there's no stopping the flow of God in your life because you are hungry for the things of God. And you're not gonna let no devil in hell, you're not gonna let no offense stop you from God flowing and moving through you. That person, that situation is not worth your relationship with God. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Pray for an open door. Pray to speak the mystery of Christ. But only do it as God would want you to speak. I want you to bow your head right where you're at. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, we come before you with humble hearts. God, we thank you that as we step into the middle of summer, God, as we're here this morning, as we're seeking you, as we're praying to unleash the gospel in our lives, God, right now that you would make our lives salty, that you would bring flavor into our lives. God, and don't let us get it misunderstood. In 2 Timothy 4, it said to take the hard times along with the good. God, that many times flavor comes out of our life when we've gone through a trial, when we've gone through pain. God, that that's what brings out a testimony, a message. God, I pray right now that you would strengthen our faith. God, that you would deposit high potency. You would, you would uh, put us in a place where we can have close proximity. And God, you would season our tongue so that we can clearly communicate the gospel. And when we do that, we will have maximum impact and there will be no stopping the flow of the gospel. God, I pray right now that you would put a strength within us so that we wouldn't see rejection when we step out but we would see it as an injection of seed into their life, that we're planting seed. We are sowing seeds. The results are up to you. We just have to open our mouth as Philip did. Right now, we lift our hands and we just whisper to you. We say, empower us, Holy Spirit. Fill us right now with who you are. We ask that you would empower us to speak the mystery, to open the door but only as you would have us to do it. God, let our lives be simple. Let our lives be sincere. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Well, I pray as I am challenging you
every week that you would set yourself up, that you would begin praying of how you can unleash the gospel. I think of several weeks ago, Mana, you had come up after church and said, I have this washer and dryer that needs, needs to go. And we came out the next day, Monday, we got the washer and dryer out. And Mana, you've lived how long in, in your community, in your home? 18 years she's lived in the same place. And as myself and Clark Crook were getting these washer and dryers out, several neighbors were coming home. And if you know Mana, she has great relationships with people and just great relationships with your neighbor. And how your neighbors were just felt so free to come up and started talking and, and how you would just listen. And then you would say, well, this is our pastor here and, and said, we have prayer on Tuesdays. How can we pray for you? That you would just inject those little things and you could tell it made all the difference in your neighbors that were pulling up and stopping as we were helping getting rid of these washer and dryers. And I just wanna commend you on that and let it be an example to all of us that something as simple as us moving a washer and dryer and engaging in conversation with neighbors, the power of God, seeds were sown into the lives of your neighbors that day. Whether we know if they're going to church or whatever, they know that you stepped out in faith that you're a prayer warrior. They know where your door is, where whenever they're in a situation or in trier, I can tell you, Miss Mana, they know Miss Mana is praying. And so that's just a practical, simple example. And not only that, but the washer and dryer that still had some use in it, I said, well, that's awesome. Thank you for telling me because I've been building a relationship with the garage up the road here, Mount Zion Tires and Wells, these new guys that just moved in and dropping off projects for them to work on. And these guys are uh, Arabic, they're Muslims who work up at the shop. And, but it's so fun and say, we love America, we love Jesus, everything points to God and you know, just some uni universalism there. We're working through it. Um, but how my heart is, and I felt God impress upon me to begin being the gospel to these guys, begin just loving them, beginning to maybe tip them a little bit on a project and show you know, I appreciate what they're doing to allow my life to be salty where they would begin to ask questions. Well, they needed a washer and dryer for the shop they had told me previously. So I took the washer and dryer that Miss Mana had, dropped it off at their shop, and they were ecstatic. And their uniforms look a little cleaner when I pull up <laughs> at the end of the day. But see, it's just little things like that, that God arranged. It's not anything that's big and mystical, but it's just taking simple steps of faith every day, following the Spirit's promptings, and he will use you, and you will see that surely but slowly and over time that a life can be changed, that a difference can happen. You just have to trust God and put your place in a, in a place like Philip to open your mouth. And so as the ushers come this morning, I just want to continue to encourage you in your giving that what you're doing is making an example. Last week, I was struggling with the name to... I told you about our, our story on the sewer system and, and the miracle of that. And Peter, he comes to the 11 o'clock service. He said, hey, I think I got a name, the supernatural sewer system. So that's what we'll call that. And as you pull out, you'll see the, the stakes in the ground of where our sewer line will run and the blessing that that's gonna be, hopefully breaking ground on that in the next few weeks, getting going with that. Uh, so as I'm saying, God is, is providing in supernatural ways for this build, for this project, so that'll be a blessing. And as you give, know it's going into good, healthy ground this morning. Let's pray over our giving. Father, we thank you for your blessings, for your promises.
God, I pray this morning that as we step out in faith each and every week through our tithes and through our offerings, God, that we would trust you with simple faith. God, that we're not looking for the spectacular to take place when we give, but we're just trusting you that you're gonna give us our daily bread, that you're gonna take care of our needs. God, we're so thankful we live in a country that's free, that's independent. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of those who have given us freedom in our lives. God, we honor you as we give this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.